Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a wonderful guest who is a friend of mine and also a highly educated or at least spent a lot of time being educated. I guess we'll find out in a second what he knows. A, uh, a gentleman who has been defending your civil liberties, whether you know it or not, for quite a while and uh, does it without much fanfare or much notice by most of you unless you follow him on ARFCOM. We're going to be bringing on attorney Stephen Stambalea. And he is not a specialist, but he spends almost all of his time working on Second Amendment rights, uh, fighting the evil tyranny that our government is trying to force down on it because they just can't seem to understand the simple words, shall not infringe. So I'm going to bring Stephen on. Buddy, thanks for jumping on here with me. I appreciate it. I think your perspective is very welcome at this point today. I appreciate it, Kyle. I'm uh, glad to be here and I look forward to, to talking with you. So one of the things, first of all, we met because uh, we have a mutual friend who said, you've got to talk to my machine gun lawyer, right? <laughs> How many Correct. FBI agents are you friends with? So I, I've got a couple of friends at the FBI. Um, the, the the ones that are at the FBI currently are dwindling rapidly. I mean, you wouldn't know anything about that, I'm sure. But No, does that happen? Do, yeah. do they get rid of people that love guns? Never, never. No, <laughs> they don't. They just keep them forever. Yeah. yeah, and they want because they're staunch defenders. You know, I actually had a uh, an agent tell me he could open up a case on me because of the number of guns that I that he believed that I own. Does that surprise wow. you? No, it doesn't. I mean, you're Catholic too, right? That's right. Yeah. So no, um, no, it doesn't. And the domestic violence extremist stuff that they put out. I mean, you like guns. Uh, you do have a flag, which I think is a a symbol of terror terrorism. What are, what are the something malicious bad. yeah militia violent extremist something yeah yeah it doesn't have the gold fringe on it though so right maybe that's okay i don't Ma know maybe it makes it okay so one of the things that i found out about steven really really early on is that i kind of told him about my situation i reached out to him because i was having concerns that the fbi was going to toss me out over covid stuff and i said i don't know what my options are and so i described my situation to him and he goes well it sounds like you're a domestic terrorist you probably homeschool your kids too and i was like oh <laughs> like who is this guy uh but he has a very dry sense of humor and he's very witty and quick on it so if you folks think that uh, you heard something wrong just replay it hit the 15 seconds back listen to it one more time you'll, you'll get the context and understand a very dry wit um do me yeah. a favor let's walk people through your bona fides uh, who you are how you Oof. got to be in this world i don't even know what state you're living in and i don't want to disclose that necessarily because yeah. i feel like you're always on the run yeah, so I, I travel a lot for work. Uh, I was in Hawaii last week at the Ninth Circuit, uh, arguing. You know, well, I was second chair on that case, but he had two two uh, gun cases up at the Ninth Circuit. Um, so you know, I went to I lived most of my life in Mississippi. I'm originally from Texas. Um, my wife hates when I say that, but that's where I was born. Mm -hmm. I still claim it. It still says it on my passport. Mm -hmm. um, so I lived for about thirty two ish years in Mississippi. Went to law school at Mississippi College. You know, a, a low tier law school if it's even ranked it probably isn't but i still graduated That's um, right. got my got my degree passed the bar the first time um and just started kind of forcing my way into mississippi gun issues you know mississippi's um a gun loving state we have very 
good gun laws. I mean, you know what? Contrast it with New York or Hawaii or California. Um, we don't discriminate on who can have guns. Um, unlike New York and California, the the less racist states, right? That's right. So that's right. So, you know, in like 2000, I can't remember, it was like 2010 or 2011, we just had some shenanigans that our legislature was trying to pull, uh, where they passed the law and then immediately attacked it in court. And Wait, said the, that the legislator, not- uh, the legislature passed the law in Mississippi, and then they attacked their own law. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. So I know, it's crazy, right? It doesn't ever happen until it does like it did in Oregon, where they passed a section, Second Amendment sanctuary law, and then immediately attacked it in court. It's the same thing. So in Mississippi, they passed this enhanced carry uh, permit bill. Basically, Mississippi doesn't require training. But if you get training, there's like three places you can't carry. Like I can carry in a school. Uh, I can basically carry everywhere except, you know, federal buildings like a federal courthouse, um, a prison or a jail and a place of a place of nuisance, which I said at the time was the legislature and they got really offended. Yeah, but that's kind of well, people will start like, understanding a little bit about your sense of humor when they see how you just deadpan things like that, because I operate the same way. So this that's why you legit. and I get along. Yeah. Yeah. But it's legit. A pla- yeah. It's like place of nuisance legislature. That's sure. what I thought. Yeah. So um, immediately and this passed unanimously. Things don't pass unanimously a lot of times, but what they did is uh, they put the title of the bill as not exactly everything that was in the bill. Right. And the legislatures didn't read it. Legislators didn't read it. I know you're shocked again. Why would they, they not do it. that? It's, it's their only job yeah. is to read and it, it wasn't and even vote a, on it. It wasn't even a long bill. So <laughs> after it passed and we started you know, getting into the meat and potatoes of it, we're like, oh my God, we can basically carry it anywhere we want to. Yeah. Um, I can't remember like five or six legislators filed a lawsuit in Hines County, which is the capital, you know, seat of Mississippi uh, government, Jackson, Mississippi, not the best place to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a judge enjoined this law that they voted for. And so like, I'm on, you know, the news talking about like, this is the most bizarre thing. They passed this law. And uh, anyway, so wait a minute, know, just I, to be clear, the legislators, uh, legislators who voted for the law also yeah. uh, filed. A- <laughs> so yeah, funny. like that's the thing. It was unanimous. That's and like so a real they, Mississippi thing to do. It feels like I spent a little bit of time in Mississippi and I feel comfortable saying that that's kind of a Mississippi move, right? It, it was it was bizarre. So I hadn't seen it before, okay. but apparently it, it it happens because it happened, right? right? Um, so yeah. So after that, I mean, I, I I represented the good legislators in the Supreme Court when they um, went up on appeal. I filed an amicus on their behalf. So I had like fifty five named legislators, which was just a crazy long you know caption like this with everyone's name spelled out, right? Pro bono. I did it for free because it was the right thing to do. I mean, you might know for me, I, you know, I do a well, lot of things I know for that, free. But, but people will, people will learn that as we talk. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah. uh, Stephen does things that are the right thing often. The right thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it benefits money him financially, not at all. Yep. And it, sometimes it costs me a lot of money. Like I was talking to Phil about earlier about a Hawaii case that uh, cost me about $150,000 to overturn a judge, but it was worth it. Um, so because it was you know, the right after, thing to do, because it's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. This and is it why doesn't matter the this, issue. This is why yeah. you're on my show, by the way. You're on my show because yeah. you're a guy who does things for the right reasons. It won't be immediately obvious to people. But I think as they start hearing some of the things that you're willing to put your time into and your energy, then that will become apparent. All right. So you're, you sued. You've got 55 legislators. You got the amicus yeah. brief. You send this thing in. What's the story? What goes on? Yeah. So the Supreme Court's like 
you know, we're not doing anything. Um, the legislature passed the law and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was like a nothing burger. Did the, uh, did but, the legislators who, who filed against it, did they even have standing? Like, did that even make sense? You know, it was so long like, ago. How were they aggrieved? Uh, yeah. So I don't think they were, but the sheriff of Hines County joined them in there. And so he's Got like, it. you know, there's going to be blood on the streets, right? It's, it's Jackson. So there, that's like a normal everyday thing. There's you know, already like, blood on the streets. Yeah, like the second most violent city in America, if not the first per capita. I mean, Jackson has very few residents and just an astronomically crazy murder rate. That's not good. But you, but you can't talk about why. So we won't talk about why. Let's not talk about why. Let's not talk about why. I wouldn't want to do that at all. Um, no, no. Let's talk so, about uh, I, let's talk about sort of the ethnic makeup of that city just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. You, we shouldn't you, talk you about that. No, you you can't you can't you can't talk about it. Even using the FBI statistics, as you know, the FBI statistics are probably all lies. Well, they're racist. racist at the very minimum, right? hundred percent. hundred percent. That's what I was So say. we won't talk about that, but okay. Jackson's a very unsafe city. Noted. So yeah. So after 2011, just sailing right along, everything's great. Uh, 2013, you know, uh, had some legislature who were like, wow, I really liked what you did in 2011. Would you come, you know, read over some of these bills? Um, yeah, of course. I'll love to help read over some of these bills. So I, I can't even remember what all we did in 2013. I think we went but permitless. You're in your early 30s at that point, yeah? I feel a lot younger back then, like 10 years ago. Yeah, I'm 44. So yeah, 34, 30, 32, 34-ish. Man, so you just... were working right into the power range of like people coming to you and asking you questions about the thing that you're passionate about, which is... Yeah, it was great. Again, no money, no money whatsoever. No, clearly uh, not. But it was it was fantastic because you know, it's like I don't have to sue Mississippi to get them to do the right thing. You know, respect the Second Amendment. I go to the legislatures and I say, you know, this is this is something that the 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 citizens want. Um, this is something that the Second Amendment protects, and you know, work it out. I'd be happy to you know help where I can. Anyways, we did a lot. We got yeah. a lot passed. Um, it was it was good times. Um, and then in 20, God, 2015-ish, um, a couple of people filed Form 1s with the ATF to get machine guns approved. Okay, to help and people understand yeah, this. So, okay, yeah, so why, why, why do they have to file? Because this is obviously how you and I came in contact in a very roundabout yeah. way. Yeah. Um, some people don't know that you can legally own a machine gun. You can own silencers in this country. In this, uh, country that you can own short barrel rifles so maybe you can uh in an expert yeah. an expert in clean way explain what the <laughs> national firearms act of 1934 did what it doesn't do and yeah. what it requires of people okay so the national firearms act which we we, we call the nfa uh was passed in 1934 to not eliminate the ownership of uh short barrel rifles short barrel shotguns machine guns and suppressors uh, and destructive devices like grenades mm -hmm. but to tax them basically to tax them out of existence. So they knew in 1934 that they couldn't pass a law saying that machine guns were uh, illegal. You know, they couldn't outright ban them. And this is testimony. It's it's freely available when you go back and see the, the AG, um, Homer Cummings, uh, 1934, talking about how we can't ban these. It would violate the Second Amendment. That's right. They right? don't think that way okay. anymore, of course. No. 100% no, 100%. So they're like, what we can do is tax them. And no one will question the taxing authority of the United States. It's almost like a direct quote. So they put this $200 tax, which in 1934 is a lot of money today. It's like $4,500, $4,600 today. Because $1934 somehow are worth more than today's you know, printed dollars, right? Weird. 
Yeah. Weird. Yeah, now, do you works. know how they came up with the number 200? I don't know how they came up with the number 200. Apparently, $200 was the retail price of a Thompson submachine gun. Oh, well, there you go. I, I should know that. Yeah, that's what I read. But that comes from uh, that comes from Lucas Bakken at uh, T-Rex Arms. I'm pretty sure when I read his Damn. thing that it was pretty well sourced. Um, but yeah, so the cost of the the submachine gun was two hundred dollars, which was a lot mm-hmm. of money, obviously, in today's yeah. money. And so they doubled the cost and basically made it so that only gangsters could afford it. There you go. In that's 1934. Like perfect government analogy. Just yes, just it's like, right hey, there. you know what we could do? We could outlaw it from regular people who have a little bit of money and make sure that only yeah. the people that are moving whiskey illegally around the world yep. can do it. And that way, everyone's going to be a victim of crime. Brilliant. Smart. Yeah. So they so got smart. that. Okay. So they passed this yeah, law. Yeah. So they did. Yeah. And so basically, you can own anything, you know, like machine guns, suppressors, short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, grenades, destructive devices. How, how much time do you think it took in 1934 for? the United States taxing authorities, whatever that was, Treasury Department, to approve mm-hmm. any of these federal forms getting you the tax stamp. Any idea? Man, I, I have never, I had never even thought about it, which I is bet probably you, I shame bet you on it me. wasn't a year or two. No. Yeah. And so now, now and they did it by year, telegraph. But, they telegraphed it. In. Yeah. But, but going back to your previous question, you know, like people don't understand that people now in, in the majority of states can still own machine guns. Now there's a limit, a limitation on the year that the machine gun was made. In 1986, Reagan signed the Firearm Owner Protection Act, which included uh, Section 922.0, which banned you from getting a new machine gun. Mm-hmm. And what Congress wanted to do at that time was arbitrarily stop the ownership of new machine guns and let the current supply of machine guns basically dry up. Turns out they don't actually dry up because they're durable goods. They are durable goods, right? So. We could still own any machine gun made and registered prior to May 19, 1986, mm-hmm. period, in, in the majority of states. There's some commie states, right, uh, that you can't have them, like New York. You, yeah, and you can Hawaii. say that. Any, you can say anything about commies yeah. on the show. That's the nice thing. Yeah, I, I don't like the commie states. I don't like going to Hawaii. I hate going to New York. I hate yes. it. I call it uh, uh, like enemy territory, like you're leaving the wire and you're going, yeah. you're going outside into the enemy, you know, into the enemy territories. And when you, I mean, when you have people telling you, it's like, be careful up there. I'm like, what do you mean, be careful up there. Like, like from, from the gangsters, like from the, like the people like on the streets that are going to kill me or from the government. Cause it's probably both actually. It's, it's probably both. And really. I think that's by design. Um, yeah. You mentioned form one. Let's talk about yeah. how people can actually go about that. The mechanics of getting a thing like a machine gun or a suppressor or anything. Things there's a there's a number of uh, ATF forms that have been generated to justify the existence of this bureaucratic beast. Right. Because uh, I think that's pretty much like that's their purpose is to generate crappy paperwork and then have us fill it out. Uh, help people understand Great what that it. process looks like. I know you've uh, worked on it in a. You've actually like fought some of these processes and, and yeah. use this. So kind of give people the expert understanding of what this looks like. I know a lot of people probably are hearing this and going, can I buy a suppressor? Right. The answer is probably yes. And and yep. the fear is how do I jump into the deep end of doing that? So maybe you could take some of the mystery out of it. Yeah. So there's two main forms. There's the form one, which is you making it yourself. 
And there's the form four, which you would get when you went to a dealer to buy it, like what we call a class three dealer. Um, like it's it class three just tells you the type of FFL that the um, FFL people have. So uh, certain dealers can deal only in regular firearms. Certain dealers can also deal in NFA firearms. Um, certain um, certain manufacturers can make regular firearms. Other manufacturers can make special fun firearms like you know suppressors which are still classified as firearms under federal law despite but, the fact that it's just a tube that couldn't fire anything yeah yeah but look i used it against them in illinois which i'll something i'll talk about in a little bit good so you, you've got the two forms you've got the form one which is the making so if you wanted to make a suppressor yourself you file your form one you give the atf your photograph your fingerprints um what else 200 dollars tax stamp and you send in all your paperwork to the atf and then you wait, they say 90 days, it's not 90 days. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, up to a year. And then the ATF slaps a little tax stamp on it and uh, gives you your paperwork and says, great, you can make your, your suppressor now or your short barrel rifle or your short barrel shotgun. Um, a form four, I would go to a dealer, let's say um, silencer shop, you know, whatever, um, and order my suppressor and then do my form four, which is just the transfer. I'm not making it form one. I'm transferring it form four. Mm -hmm. It's the same process, photographs, fingerprints, uh, pay your $200 tax, and then wait a whole bunch of time. Um, so <laughs> a couple people in 2015 filed these form ones to make new machine guns, which as we just talked about, 922.0 says you can't have a machine gun made after May 19, 1986. Mm -hmm. Well, a machine gun in 2015 that was made would be illegal, right? So the ATF approved a number of forms and a number of people contacted me seeing that I've done some psych amendment work and, you know, would I be interested in, in pursuing this against the ATF? So I was like, so oh, hold yeah, on. I would the ATF gave them the tax stamp yep. authorizing them to possess a new machine gun. To make a new machine to gun. To make a new machine gun. Why? Yeah. Why do they do that? Um, well, the ATF just did it and they said it was a mistake, but they did it. So if it was a mis and it wasn't individuals, it was under, it was under a trust. Is that correct? Yeah. So they did it under a trust and okay. like there's, there's, um, there's so much minutia in these cases. So mm -hmm. yes. So individuals can own suppressors and machine guns and all of the other NFA specialties. Right. Um, also businesses, corporations can own them. Also trusts can own them. So what some people did is put, a new machine gun, like a form one application in the trust name and said, well, you know, approve my machine gun. And they did. And someone made one, you know, uh, with couple, an approved couple of stamp. someone's. Well, I know for sure that one person made one. Yeah. So I had two, I had two of these cases. Um, and one of my guys didn't make it because he's like, oh, what? You know, the ATF just approved my form one to make a machine gun. And then he never made it. Um, so there was nothing to, um, you know, for the ATF to come and take. But our mutual friend did. Yes, her mutual friend. I absolutely made one. And the <laughs> ATF, you know, we're like, we're dis we've disapproved your stamp now. We've basically revoked your stamp. Did they and send so him his money back? He, um, I think he got his two hundred dollars. I think he got his two hundred dollars back. But they were like actively seeking to come and take it, like actively seeking it. Like, right. uh, man, I've got the letter here. I wish, I, I wish I would have even thought to get it. I would have like got the, 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 um, 
folder that they sent, you know, FedEx overnight or hand delivery, whatever it was, and, you know, like personal and confidential, like mm-hmm. plastered all over it and, you know, certified copies of, of whatever they're going to come and get it. And you've got like three days to, to, to like, let us come and take it or, or surrender it to us. Um, I was on the beach. I was fishing in Gulf Shores, Alabama with my father-in-law and he calls and he's like, Hey dude, I just got this paperwork. You know, what am I supposed to do with it? I'm like, what, whatever that guy's name is, uh, the ATF agent. I'm like, just have him call me. Here's my cell phone number. Just have him call me. So I'm like fishing, you know, like reeling it in. I think I was smoking back then too, but we're reeling it in, you know, and I'm like, Hey, and he's like, Hey, uh, you represent so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, I represent him. He's like, well, I, I understand he's made a machine gun. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if he's made anything or not, but what do you want? You know, and he's like, oh, we need to, uh, we need him to surrender it. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll see what's going on and then I'll call you back. He's like, no, this needs to happen. Like, you know, RFN. I'm like, I'm fishing, bro. You know, I'm like on the, in the Gulf of Mexico, I'm fishing, you know, can we just deal with this some other time? Anyways. So we eventually get the, get the firearm surrendered uh, under protest and right. like just sued him, you know, within like, if it was that day that we, that he surrendered it back to them, um, or like a couple of days later, we sued him. And um, I mean, the, the court case was just funny. Like all of that was just funny to me, you know, that they actually approved it. And they said, oh, and we, we made a mistake. And I don't know how much you know about the ATF, but they're infallible. They never make mistakes. Right. Uh, they never change their mind on anything. Right. Uh, like everything they do is totally legit. Clearly. Yeah. That's I, why I hope this. That's why yeah. they went to Waco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a totally that was, legit, uh, terrible yeah. search warrant that didn't make any sense to anybody. Yeah, over machine guns. Right, right. Which did you know the justification for the machine guns? I'm sure you've read the warrant, but you know, <sighs> in the probable cause statement for the Waco search warrant, they used as their proof the the that they were probable cause to believe they were machine guns because a farmer down the way heard shooting, and he oh. knew from his time in the army that that's what a machine gun was. Yeah. And the, and the problem is, is that anybody who's ever been around a, a shooting range and heard 15 people shooting AR-15s um, at targets when they face or turn or on a timer or anything else, it sounds like a burst of gunfire that could only come from 15 guns or one gun firing very, very fast. And there's no way that you could decide that it was a machine gun. And I don't think anybody in the Army who served in Korea or whatever it was was a reputable source, but that's what they quoted to the judge. The judge signed it. It's crazy. Well, yeah. Anyway, they never make mistakes, but they did. Obviously with track this one. Yeah. Obviously I'm, I'm being very facetious because the ATF is notorious. They're notorious for changing their minds on everything. Yes. Like nothing that they give you, even in writing means anything like period. You know, if, if we'll, I was we'll get there on the we'll get there on the brace rules and, yeah, and everything crazy else. There's, a, there's many examples, obviously. Yeah, tons of examples. Um, so, anyways, going back to this case, you know, um, I got the court to order the ATF to not destroy the firearm because that's what they wanted to do. Like, yeah. send it to forfeiture court, uh, which is a real court, uh, notwithstanding what uh, some attorneys might call uh, not a, a real court. Um, just because, like, for when the government goes into forfeit something. The government usually wins, right. usually not all the time, but maybe, you know, 99% of the time, you know, forfeiture court. I don't want to say they're a kangaroo court. I'm not saying that, but some people might, might say that. I could say that. You could. Yeah. I, I can't say that. 
Right. But if I were to say that the forfeiture court is kind of a kangaroo court and it wins almost all the time because it's cases that are filed against things and then the things yeah. have to be defended by individuals. So right. for those, for anyone who hasn't heard our episode with Amy Nelson, go back and listen to Amy Nelson's story about how they took all of her things. They filed lawsuits against her bank mm-hmm. accounts, not against her or her husband. Yep. They filed lawsuits against her stuff and took it. Yep. And so anyway, forfeiture court is uh, a real nasty problem. It's great for taking drugs and, and gangsters off the streets and taking away Ferraris and things like that, uh, unless it's your stuff and you're just a regular guy who just owns yeah. a machine gun that the ATF signed off on correctly and then changed their mind. Isn't that, I mean, isn't it crazy? So anyways, we eventually lose in the district court and we went up on appeal um, and we lost on appeal as well. Um, and, you know, look, it's court. Things happen. You know, it's just part of it. Uh, this was pre-Bruin, of course. Now, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if we would lose because, I, you know, we could obviously own military grade uh, rifles back in the founding era. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all they all had muskets. Those just happen to be the same guns that we used in the wars. Um, so I think that now we would have a different or at least a better shot at it. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very busy with other things. No, so I imagine that. So, um, and then yeah. did, you could have appealed it further, but it turns out that our mutual friend decided to join the FBI. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Supreme Court appeals are very, very expensive. Yeah. Um, and at that time, it was just not something that, you know, I had the funds to do. And it probably wouldn't have been the best case to bring at the time of, uh, that the court, like the makeup of the court was not awesome. Right. Uh, like now it's a lot better. So yeah, I mean, we just kind of let it die and, you know, it's probably the right decision. It, it pains me, you know, like I, I really believe that machine guns are protected by the second amendment. I, um, well, we saw something really, I think it was in West Virginia and I think I sent it over to you, but it was essentially that you can't um, ban even by, you know, probably taxation is probably one of them, but you can't ban even like uh, firearms that have obliterated serial numbers. Cause that's a whole class of guns, whatever that means. Right. Yeah. So that, that opinion, um, I mean, you know, it makes sense. Once you read the opinion, it was like the, the reason that they wanted serial numbers on it was to trace them during like the sale of it. Like, you know, so they could keep inventory of it so they could track the sales. It right? wasn't for the government to keep track of them. Well, the justification for it now is we need to see when these guns are used in crimes. So right. it's that, not, it's, that sort of assumes something, doesn't it? Well, it assumes that all guns will be used in crimes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I can't remember what case that we made that argument in, but yeah, that, that is a hundred percent what they use it for. And they're not shy about saying it. Right. You know, they call it like time to crime and crime guns. And um, there's all these um, reports and spreadsheets that some idiot bureaucrat up there is probably like, <laughs> you know, compile and like nonstop. Um, yeah. Was, I mean, that was so- Stephen pantomiming like a uh, breathless typing. <laughs> <laughs> right. for, for oh, people on the right. audio yeah, people some people some listening. people will just be hearing this so uh yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's really gross um what's funny is that what they say there's like 400 million guns in circulation in the united states and then you talk about the number that we're using crimes and i'm sure it's a, an infinitesimally small fraction yeah it's it's um a lot lower than 400 million yeah um, it, yeah, I read a tweet from Biden today. I God, I cannot stand when he shows up in my Twitter feed. Uh, but he was like, there's 70,000 fentanyl deaths per year. And I'm like, well, yeah, because your border, like people are just like nonstop walking over it. But, you know, contrast that with the number of gun deaths. And there's 35,000 gun deaths per year, including suicide, which is uh, I think most. Right. So it's like a massive number of the gun deaths are suicide deaths. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're, you're if you. If you contrast what he said about fentanyl 
with what he said about guns. You know, fentanyl's like no big deal. You know, keep coming over our border, keep coming here. Um, That's right. And then guns, it's like we got to ban assault weapons. It's like, well, fentanyl is banned. How's that working right? out for you, right? It doesn't work. And we know that it doesn't work because we tried prohibition and prohibition didn't work. Right. So and all it did know, was allow uh, gangsters to be able to afford the machine guns. Man, that were, that were taxed. You know, it's like it's like a government solution. Um, I'm here from like what did Reagan say? The, the scariest words in the English language. I'm right. from the government. and I'm here to help. Right. Yeah. It's because they seem like they just keep making stuff worse. Yes. Well, if you saw the uh, the thing that I probably didn't uh, make any friends with on the background of my my computer at the FBI, my unclassified computer system had one of those like demotivators. Yeah. <laughs> and it said, um, it said, uh, you know, the government. If you think we have problems, you should wait and see our solutions. Nice. And and I, I think love that, those posters. Yeah, they they have uh, an insight into into humanity that is uh, yeah. very very cutting in many ways. So they came up with this. Uh, yeah. So Biden's trying to tell us that these are the problems. We know that the, they think guns are a big problem. I don't see them going after like medical malpractice either, which which exceeds both of those by a big, big amount. So there are obviously uh, things that people die of that are preventable in this country. I think guns are at the bottom of of like a list of. Well, 10. I mean, you know, like the, one of the top killers of people in our country is heart disease. And we know what what you can do to prevent a lot of the heart disease. Uh, don't drink, don't smoke, uh, and exercise. Reduce right? fatness would be the easiest way to do that. Well, but that's the thing. So, like you saw with all of the COVID stuff, that you know, it's like wear a mask, get vaccinated, do all this other stuff mm-hmm. for your own safety mm-hmm. and for the safety of others. So maybe the government should make everybody run. You know, I don't know, like a five k every morning. Mm. You have to do it, and you have to attest that you've done it. Or it's a 1001 violation. Right? That's right. Yeah. You, so you, you, here's the funny thing about it. I actually worked in a job where fitness was a requirement and we had to test for it every single year. And then they still had the stupidity of the vaccine stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, it doesn't but that work would reduce well. That would reduce people dying of heart attacks. It would. But Phil, did you ever know anybody that was an FBI agent that was fat? A lot of them. Almost most of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did a fair number of them just skip out on the fit test or what was going on there you think yeah in fact there were stories of uh old timers doing it in a suit while smoking a cigar because it was voluntary but Vol- they were yeah voluntold yeah they had to do it but they just didn't have to pass so steven uh government regulations yeah. work really well as you can attest yeah. to and yeah. uh you ended up walking away from this case but it did lead to us meeting so that's pretty funny yeah was there yeah. further things on that story that we needed to dig into uh, beyond the the fact that it it kind of died a natural death based on personal choices and not based on uh no no that's that's pretty much it with those i mean i, I obviously keep in touch with with my my guys from that case and yeah you know uh, I, I have been become i have become known as the machine gun lawyer which i think is better than some of the other pe- things people call me so yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't shirk or or shy away from being called the machine gun lawyer of all things. That's right. pretty strong. Um, yeah. At some point, uh, how long ago do you think you got onto uh, AR15.com? Oof, I think it was like 2007. It was a long time ago. Okay, so m- I think a lot of my audience is not going to be familiar with this, although some of them will. Uh, tell mm-hmm. me about what that forum is, because somebody when they brought me up, they're like, "Do you know Steven? And I go, "No," and they go, "Oh, he's yeah. on Arfcom," and I was like, "I, yeah. dude, I know what Arf that Arfcom exists." When I like search things yeah. about guns that I'm trying to find out, like a technical solution, somebody has solved it on AR15.com. Yep. 
um, oftentimes. And it's like, oh, like, why is this pin walking on this weapon system? Or like, mm-hmm. how do you secure the front sight? And so there are these like very tactical things that somebody found a, either a, a shortcut or a solution. But you've been on there for a long time now, 15 years, it yeah. sounds like. And you've got kind of a big following there. Like you're kind of a big yeah. deal. People know you. Well, the, people know me because of the stuff that I do. Uh, I sue the government a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, on on a, a terrorist website like AR15.com, uh, where my my username is Nolo Contendra, which means no contest. It's something that people can plead to, um, you know, when they're charged with a crime. But yeah, so, you know, I, I have a, a following on AR15.com. ARFCOM is what we call it. And it's probably the largest firearms enthusiast website and it's devoted to AR-15s, but it, it, well, it started off being devoted to AR-15s, right. but it's like, it's like every kind of gun, you know, there's all kinds of different forms, there's suppressors, there's equipment exchange where you can, you know, buy and trade, sell uh, firearms, parts and things like that. Is that part of the gun, the gun show loophole? Um, man, you know, like every <laughs> time someone says the gun show loophole, it just like makes my head explode. Do you have like, like a little palpitation or what, what happened? Yeah. Like yeah. I did, I did just then I didn't know if it was the vaccine, like if Pfizer's coming to get me when you said that, but like, I felt for a minute, like, God, is my heart stopping? Okay. So gun show loophole, it just pisses me off. It doesn't just, exist. Yeah. Run with this. That's fine. I, just, I didn't, I didn't just, mean to tee you up with it, but now yeah, we it's, have okay. it's okay. No, it. It's okay. It's fine. Well, it just doesn't exist because right. you know, like if I'm at, if I'm at a gun show and like you and I are at the gun show and we just happen to live in the same state. And you're like, I want to sell you this gun. Well, depending on what the state laws are in that state, uh, like in Mississippi, if we were both in Mississippi, you could just sell me a gun. If, if you don't know, know, or, or have a, have knowledge that I'm like a prohibited person, you can just literally sell me a gun. I could trade you a but chainsaw that, for it. Correct. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to happen at a gun show. It could happen anywhere. Like unrelated to gun shows. A hundred percent. Yes. But if I'm buying it from an FFL at a gun show, I'm still going through the background check. Because so it's like, a federal deal. Yeah. There's no, right. lo- there's no so, loophole. And, and people who no. don't know this about me, but I, in the years between 2013 and 2015, I think that's about right. I probably did 450 fire, pr- private firearms transactions, buy, sell, trade um, in those two years. And when somebody tells me that they, you know, are working a case and the FBI agent says, oh, you know, we, we bought six guns off this guy. And I go, oh, and like what time period? And they go like six months. Yeah. And I'm like, six guns is like a quick weekend for me, but that's like a slow month. Yeah. So that's really depressing to me that that makes a federal case. But you and I share that in common that uh, yeah. people trading their own personal property for, for money uh, or anything else or giving them as gifts is not really the business of the government. Like, like not at all. Not, not even a little all. bit. Yeah. No, not not even a little bit. It's, right. it's not related. They, they, they shouldn't care if you're Catholic or not. They shouldn't, but they might. No, so, they shouldn't. So there you are. Uh, you're on ARFCOM. They've got, obviously, buy, sell, trade. They've got uh, forums, technical forums. Yep. They have politics forums. You once told yep. me that AR15.com is the, the fastest news source in the world. Dude. What does that mean? It's crazy. Um, so, like, before Twitter, right? Because Twitter is, is pretty quick now, too. Mm-hmm. Um someone on our com it has eyes on whatever is happening um anywhere in the in the whole in the whole world there's someone on our com that'll be like look there's this fire in italy there's a train derailment here and look what's going on and then like three hours later fox news will break in and be like train derailed in italy or, or it's like something crazy You're like oh that's old i already read about it 
So like my wife will tell me something. She's like, did you hear that? So-and-so did this. I'm like, yeah, I saw that yesterday. She's like, how did you, she calls it my gray website. Cause I've got it set to like a dark screen. I like, I like black screens. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. And so she's like, oh, you read about that on your gray website. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, did you read about this? I'm like, yeah, I do about that like a week ago. Right. She's like, oh, it's just coming across my news. Yeah. Come on. Come on, wife. You know, like really. Catch up. Yeah, really. So yeah, it's so amazing. Arcom is moving out that stuff. And then, uh, and they've done some fundraisers to support your legal work, which is now almost yes. exclusively firearms, although you don't specialize in firearms law. Right. You just happen to spend all your time doing it. Right. Yeah. And people are going to say like, why, why do you keep saying he doesn't specialize in it? So the Mississippi bar is where my license is mm -hmm. uh, in, in Mississippi. And they won't let me say that I specialize in anything because right. Mississippi has like really no specialty stuff. They have like some elder care law that they'll let you say you're specialized in if you like go and do all these courts. But I'm not, you know, like what course is there for, for, for firearms laws? Like, you know, look at my litigation history, you know, uh, I, that should be enough. But yeah, so that's the reason that I say we can't, I can't say that I specialize in it because no board has said, oh, Stephen, yeah, he's he's the specialist. Right. You're not a board certified injury attorney and you're not a board certified mm -hmm. firearms attorney, mm -hmm. but you spend all right. your time doing firearms law when you get a choice. Yeah. And then yeah, sometimes 100%. you help sometimes you help me out because you're a good guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I help you know, like I, I help people out when they when like when they need help, you know, like I don't even know how else to put it. You know, I I I spent like yesterday I was telling my wife, I build very little yesterday. Mm -hmm. I was on the phone probably for six and a half hours. I build maybe 30 minutes. So yesterday I made almost no money, mm -hmm. but I helped a lot of people mm -hmm. and they needed help. And not everybody has, you know, enough money to, to pay thousands of dollars to a lawyer, um, or even hundreds of dollars to a lawyer. You know, they're just regular people, um, you know, that would, that absolutely would not be able to, you know, be, uh, suspended from a job for almost a year with no paycheck. These people don't even have enough money to pay an hour of my time. Right. Yeah. Generally that but they need help, but they need help. And that's yeah. why, and that's why I think you're such a good guy. Um, so you've done some fundraisers while you were on yeah. ARFCOM and, and that was also interesting to me because our mutual friend was like, Mark LaRue thinks he's awesome. And I was like, that's weird. That's a really weird thing for someone to say to me. <laughs> it's like one, how do you know that I know who Mark LaRue is, but I do. And then two, uh, how in the world does Mark LaRue think he's awesome? How did you get connected to LaRue tactical and, and, and that sort of situation? Cause that's kind of cool that he does that. Yeah, no. So well, uh, tell people who Mark LaRue is anyway. Yeah. So Mark LaRue owns LaRue Tactical, which is like one of the best kind of um, AR-15 platforms you can buy. Uh, he makes a lot of like high precision rifles. Um, I don't know like the contracts he has with the military or anything like that, but you know, a lot of, a lot of like the, the special operations people would I would think tend to use his systems because they're very accurate and I'm not a long range shooter. Um, I don't live in that space. Um, I like just, you know, AR 15s and guns in general, but um, he has some just incredible stuff. So like, okay, how did I, how did I get to know him? Like he's on ARFCOM or he was on ARFCOM a long time ago mm -hmm. and he reached out to me and he's like, I really like what you're doing. Um, would you write me up something? I want to raise some money for your efforts. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, of course I'll do it. I'll do it. And so, um, I wrote up something like just kind of talking about what I was doing. Um, Alan Beck and I had a really big case, um, that I joined in 2015. Alan took it in 2012. If my dates are right. Uh, young V Hawaii. I don't know if you've heard of that case, but it was the, it's not the sister case to the Bruin Supreme court case, but it was 
pre-Bruin from 2012, right. um, where we were seeking to overturn Hawaii's no issuance of permit law. Like they wouldn't let anyone carry a gun in Hawaii, mm-hmm. period. Um, and so like that was languishing in the courts. And then we got up to the Supreme Court. But in that time, like we were at the Ninth Circuit for over 10 years and had, you know, needed money. Like we were all funding this out of our own pockets, like, right. So Alan's funding his side of it. I'm funding my side of it. And just like, and what are they, what are the, what are you paying money to filing fees are obviously some of it like travel, I'm assuming and your lodgings and yeah, like, like flying out to the ninth circuit in Hawaii is not cheap. Did they do that on purpose instead of flying you to California? Cause they, they, they take the cases from the district that they sit in Got most it. of the time and like, not a funny story, but the guy in Hawaii, uh, complained that he's because the ninth circuit's like, can we do this? And I think it was Sacramento or San Francisco and Hawaii attorneys like we would object to not having it in Hawaii. And I'm like, yeah, of course, of, of course, course you, you would, would object because we're mainland attorneys and they want us to spend money to come out there right. and argue it. But yeah, I mean like briefing people think, well, you're filing electronic briefs and that's true. Um, but you got to pay for them to get printed, you know, like the courts kill so many trees. Um, you know, <laughs> that's the sound, that's the soundbite of the hour so far. The yeah, courts it's, kill so many trees. It's phenomenal. Like how like we need 82 copies of this. And I'm like, why do you need 82 copies? The Supreme court, when we, when I, when we did our petition for certiorari in young, wanted like 82 copies. So, I mean, I just have a HP laser jet printer. Like, how am I going to print, you know, no, you've got to take that to a commercial times. printer. Yeah. And so I think I paid like. It was like nine or twelve thousand dollars for printing. Printing, like that's I know. awful. That's like the most nauseating yeah. thing to waste nine or twelve thousand dollars. Disgusting. On. It twenty twenty two. I had to pay no twenty twenty one. God, it's, it doesn't matter. Like a couple like in the two thousands. Yes, right. We have to like you. I'm filing all of this electronically and you're going to make me print it for you. And then some idiot is going to scan that in, by the way, and then look at it on their tablet anyway. They don't even have to scan it. It automatically populates as a PDF. So right. I'm just saying that they are going to take your printed copy and then they're going to go scan oh, it and then probably. they're going to shred it. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah I know. Like, it's like the dumbest thing. We are living but in keeps, horrible times for it, that. It keeps all of these brief printers in service. And I get like nonstop emails. I see that your council of record in XYZ versus ATF. I'm like, yeah, we would like to, you know, they're trying to solicit right. brief printing. Right. Brief printing. What a weird what business a, to know exists. Man. Yeah. And I, I'll Gross. tell you this, like my brief printer is actually really good. Like they know all of the, the weird technical rules and stuff. So like when I pay them, you know, eight or $12,000, they look really good, but what a waste of money. Like, honestly, to me, it's like, it's crazy that I had to pay that much to, to print briefs. And that's not in every case, but in the ninth circuit, it was very expensive because they wanted, it went in bonk in bonk is the full court. Right. Or in the ninth circuit, it's half of the full court because it's so big. Weird. Um, and so they wanted after all of the briefing after, I don't know, like three or four supplemental briefings, uh, they wanted everything printed. And then like, I don't know, 30 copies or 40 copies of like eight briefs all yeah. printed bound in certain colors. Such a, yes. Such a waste of money and stupidity. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So we were still talking about uh, Larue. He saw that you were doing oh, yeah. doing the young case. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm trying to keep us on track because you and I, I will know, run down. Like, good. Dude, not only yeah. will we run down a rabbit hole, <laughs> like we will like hang out with the rabbit in its thing and have tea. Yeah. So you and I yeah. are really good at that. Um, yeah. So so he did. He I wrote this up for him, and uh, he's like, okay. So what I'm going to do for you, I'm going to raise you fifty thousand dollars. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And you know, a little part of me was like, okay, we'll see if he did it. We'll see if he can do it. And, you know, I'm not doubting Mark when he says that he's going to do something. Mark does it. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm lear- I learned it. Right. So he makes. That's, I mean, that's a bots. big thing to state for anybody to do is like, hey, I'm going to come and do this thing for you. 50. And that's and that's just that's a solid number. That's not like blown anybody's mind. That's not going to change your life. But that's a serious chunk of change. If someone's going to come and raise 50 grand for you and they've yeah. never done that before. No. So, no. You, yeah. So OK. He, that's a that's yeah, a moment. So he makes these he makes these little bottle openers. Um, and they're like in the shape of like an armadillo. I'm guessing right? that Phil like can probably thing. pull this up while we're talking. So I don't know if, yeah. you're, if you're doing that, yeah. Phil, but you can pull up the Dillos that he does, the Dillo openers, which is yeah. like a tactical he, bottle opener. Yeah, exactly. He calls them the beverage entry tool, right? Uh, no, he calls it a beverage breaching tool or something to that effect. Doesn't a he? breach. It, the, the the old one was the the, the bottle breacher. No, was that the bottle breacher? That might be another God, company. It doesn't make yeah, a it difference. It's some kind yeah. of play on entry slash breaching slash entering like a facility. tactical stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got a bunch of them. So he made this one in the shape of, was it? Te- yeah. Made it in the shape of Texas. Right. Yep. And then put like the NOLO uh, beverage entry, tool, which, which is. is your handle on ARFCOM on ARFCOM. Right. Okay. So, and he numbered um, them, right. He, cause he made them limited. That was the whole point. He did. Yeah, he did. So he was selling them at, he made a thousand of them and he was selling them at $50 a piece. So $50,000. Right. And so he was texting me and he's like, it's live on my site. And I was getting my tires changed in Madison, Mississippi at the time. And I was texting back with my buddy, Alan. I'm like, okay, so just so you know, Mark LaRue said he's going to raise $50,000 for us. Uh, I wrote up something about our cases and, you know, what I've been doing. And I'll let you know how it goes. Well, like seven minutes later, Mark's like, "Um, I've got 40 or 50 left. I'm like, what do you mean you got 40 or 50 left? And he's like, we're almost sold out. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm going to do another thousand. I was like, you've okay. You what? Like, what are you talking about? And like, this is all in text, right? You know, like it's just crazy. Right. Going back so and he forth. sold 950 and got you basically the bulk of the 50 grand in like a few minutes. In a, in literally a few minutes. Yeah. And so then he did another thousand and then like in 14 minutes, like it was just barely over it. And he's like, I'm going to do one more. So in the span of, less than two hours he had raised one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and he ate all the costs on the manufacturing and the, 100%. And the, and the tooling the machining and the mailing that was his donation and, to you yeah and then everybody else put the money in so he gave you the straight 150k in like two hours to, to fund your mm-hmm. you know your yep. your lawfare efforts on behalf of the second amendment yeah so yeah. all right so because people have an interesting opinion of mark larue in the world there are some people that think he's kind of a prickly character i think that's the, that's the reputation i never i never dealt with the guy so i'm sure i don't know i can't say that but i do know that there is a reputation that mark larue may or may not be a nice guy but mark larue is aces in my book because of this story alone and i think people should know it and if you don't know who mark larue is go look him up and then you can have yeah. your own opinion but you should know it walking in with this story in mind that he raised 150 yeah, grand for you in a few minutes yeah. And I mean, and it was amazing. And so like, I was actually supposed to be near Austin. Um, his shop is in uh, Leander, Texas. Yeah. Just and north he's of. like, 
yeah, he's like, Hey man, come in, come in. Uh, we're going to give you a tour. So my wife and I, and my daughter, who is very young, she's 11 right now. Uh, went into his, his shop, like his massive machine shop. And they had and a state-of-the-art like CNC oh, operation, right? It's like, crazy stuff. It's mm-hmm. crazy stuff. So he gives us like this this guide, like two hours out of his time guided tour of his entire facility. And then he's like, you know, and here's your check. Like $150,000 check. And I'm like, I don't, I got to fly home. And now I'm like a, afraid to fly home with this check, right? Because I mean, that's a lot of money to me, you know? I mean, yeah. it just is. That's a lot of money, period. Yeah. Like people who have a lot of money still wouldn't throw that around lightly. And that's, right. about, that's a lot. I mean, right. and that's the thing is like people who make 50 or a hundred thousand dollar donations to, um, to organizations, like they get personal calls and thank you notes and things like that. Yeah. And anyhow, so, so he did that for you. That's not the only time he's raised money for you though. From what I remember. No, he's done it. Um, seven or eight times, something like that. I want to say, I want to say total. And I'm an, I, I hate that. I can't remember the exact total. I think he's done it seven times. Okay. And because because yeah. people can go look for this limited edition thing, if they go look for the Nolo bottle opener on LaRue, yeah. it's like it'll show yeah. that it closed out, that they're sold out. Maybe it was eight times. You can see God, the number yeah, of times they've that. done it. But yeah. these things have funded a lot of your casework on there. And it's Ton basically it. just through the goodness of his understanding of how valuable your work is. It Yeah, I mean, like he it was literally just the craziest, like serendipity. Mm hmm whatever that word means, right? Just coming out and saying, hey, you know, I want to help raise 50,000 for your efforts. And look, 50,000 in the stuff that we do when we're funding it ourselves is life-changing. You know, it's like, do I pay the mortgage this month? Do I pay my car note? Do I pay my credit card? Or do I file this next case? And a, a lot of times the the answer to me was, I got to file this next case. Yeah, I got to help. And it's like, I don't know, probably not great. But that's just how I'm wired. Well, you know, as like you've I told me to before, yeah, it. your business sense may be lacking, but your heart is big, <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. and and your desire to do good in the world, and that's why you and I get along so well. Is like we see something that needs to be done. It's uh, it's the same reason why our give send go has a bunch of money that came into it, and then the answer is is like my friend tells me he's got to do something, and I just send him the money because yeah. he needs the money. That's what that's why we raise the money. I don't know, like we just yeah. give it. I, I may need it later, but I don't need it this minute, and he exactly. does. So we just go where yeah. it goes. And, yeah. uh, and so you're very, um, giving of your time and your, and your, you know, your, your abilities. And I think that's wonderful. It's also kind of fun because the government doesn't know how to deal with people like you and it doesn't know how to deal with people like me, which is why we get right. along so well as well. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah. like, who are these like weird sort of like aggressive altruists that are going to mm. go and it's like, yeah, this sucks for me, but it sucks worse for them. So I'm going to do it. It does. It, Cause they're yeah, evil. Like, Right. So like, you know, when you have an attorney that's like, you know, I don't care about my time, you know, cause I can, I wake up at like three o'clock in the morning, dude. And, you know, I'll put a couple hours in, I'll go do something else. I'll come back and, you know, maybe get an early night, but maybe not. And like, just work. Like, so I'll, all I do is work, right? Like a lot of times it's not fun, but it's like, I know that things need to be done. I'm the person that's willing to do it. That's I'm right. going to put in the time. Uh, it doesn't matter if you can't pay me, like, you know, you can't give away your time all the time. Right. Right. But sometimes I can. And so like, I'm going to, I'm going to give that time away to people. And like, what is the government going to do to one of my clients? You're going to try to bankrupt him with attorney's fees. Joke's on you. I'm not getting paid. <laughs> right. So, That's so, so, true. so now what? Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, most recently you got involved right away after the Bruin decision. So tell people what the Bruin decision was, if they're not a gun person, cause that's not necessarily all of our, our listening audience. And then why it was important. And then what happened in New York right after, if you don't mind, Oof, kind of, they segue man. in. Yeah. 
So in June of 2022, uh, the Supreme Court issued its opinion in New York State Rifle uh, and Pistol Association v. Bruin. Um, New York limited the people who could get permits in New York to those who could demonstrate proper cause. Proper cause is a good reason to carry. And it's not just because you want to defend your life. Like you would think That's not like good. a normal person, it's, it's not good enough. I'm sorry. Have you been attacked before? Uh, have you been have you been raped before? Hmm. Okay, well, maybe that's not good enough still, like New Jersey. But, um, you know, it, you got to have something a little bit more than that. Uh, New Jersey actually has that, had that, at least. They don't have it anymore. Yes. Um, so New York, I'm sorry. Yeah, so Bruin, which we just call Bruin, um, came down from the Supreme Court in, in June of, of 2022 and said, you have a right to public carry and New York's proper cause is unconstitutional. Well, New York flipped their mind because now they can't control who gets a permit, right? Right. Well, I mean, they kind of can because you can't still get a permit. You cannot get a permit if you're a prohibited person, like if you're a, a, if you're a felon, if you're um, you know addicted to drugs like Hunter Biden or any of those other things. Just throwing but, that out there. Yeah, like people get upset when I talk about Hunter, but I'm really upset that he's not being held to account when you've got a bunch of other people that are. Yeah, I think it's wrong. Like it's my sense of right and wrong. Like That's I think right. it's wrong. Yeah. So New York immediately, within like eight days, went into a special session because Her Highness Governor Hochul came out and called a special session to deal with the reckless, reprehensible, irresponsible, and some other adjectives that no one cares about when she says, uh, what she called the Supreme Court. Right. And they made it to where you can get a permit in New York. You just can't carry anywhere. They, they changed, made all of they changed the the places that you were allowed to carry and authorized right. basically nothing. Hold on, I got a sound effect. <laughs> yeah. They okay, made so it enter where, Steven. They, 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 yeah. Now we know they violated the law because that was clearly the opposite it's of what the Supreme Court clear. said. Yeah, yep. But they're saying well, we're giving them we're giving them permits, Justice Thomas. We're giving them permits now. Look. But you, they just can't care anywhere. Why, why and, are they mad know, at it, Justice Thomas specifically? Well, Justice Thomas was the one that did, you know, the, he wrote the, the opinion. Like yeah. he was, he was the majority. And the, he's the our spirit animal in many ways, right? Like legally. Yeah, 100%. Our, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't really call Justice Thomas out. You know, they called know, out the court, right? But yeah. So, so they made a permit worthless. And man, I was getting all these calls from my buddies that live behind enemy lines, and which is New York for your listeners. Mm -hmm. And um, we're, we're telling me it's like, in upstate New York is different than downstate New York and the, the communist part of New York. So upstate New York is like relatively red, relatively normal, like good, decent people live there. I'm you sure drive through it and you see signs up that say repeal the safe act and things like that. Like you know, they want to carry like guns. Trump's like Trump signs too. Like For it sure. blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I used to drive from New York city where my father-in-law lived up to Connecticut where my mother-in-law lived and I would drive through mm -hmm. parts of New York and it's like, it's America. It's just held yep. hostage by New York city, which has too many people to outvote. That's it. So people don't That's necessarily it. know why New York is such a disaster. Most of New York by by territory is great, but most of New York State by population is in New York City, which is awful. Yeah. And yeah. sorry for all of so, our friends, like all of our friends that live in New York that are listening to this. I don't know how many of you are, but uh, I pray for your safety every day and that you don't get thrown in front of the subway trains because it just looks rough out there right now. Yeah, and it's terrible. And if you had a permit prior to the Supreme Court's ruling that you were lucky enough to get because some sheriffs up in upstate would, would say like, Hey, self-defense is good enough for me. And yep. here's your permit. And and you could carry anywhere, um, you know, like almost anywhere. 
And now you can't carry anywhere. So I was getting all these calls, like just inundated with them. Um, and, you know, I do work for Gun Owners of America, too. And I was uh, talking with their legal counsel. I was talking with um, the, the senior leadership there and they were getting the same calls. And I'm like, hey, I'm licensed there, guys. Just so you know, you know, like Northern District of New York, I'm actually licensed there because I actually overturned um, with Alan Beck, who was on Young with me. Um, we overturned their taser law because they banned tasers as well, which is stupid. Yeah. I know, but we overturned that. So uh, I'm already licensed there. So perfect. So, you know, we, we pitched it and she was like, yeah, we got to do something. And we went in there and uh, we won. And then immediately New York appealed to the second circuit, which stayed the injunction. Right. And there's a lot of stuff I'm leaving out, but like, That's this fine. is like a, t a 10 hour conversation that it's going to put your audience to sleep. Maybe. I mean, we had a lot of funny things going on in the court, um, things that I, I thought were pretty funny at the time, but yeah, so we got it. They, we got an injunction on a lot of the law yeah. and New York appealed it and got our injunction stayed, meaning our injunction is not in effect. And we immediately went back to the Supreme court and said, Hey, Supreme court, you got to vacate this stay. If they want to like have an appeal, fine, but you can't let this stay happen because our, our people need relief. Yes. Um, and the Supreme Court overall denied our request. But Justice Thomas and Justice Alito wrote a statement saying, you know, New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act uh, raises serious First and Second Amendment concerns. Mm -hmm. Right. And the district court gave 184 page thorough opinion. 184 page opinion, Whoa. dude. It was like, what, man, it was crazy. And the Second Circuit didn't give a reason for its stay. Yeah. So either expedite it or, um, you know, give them a reason for your stay. Right. And of course, they expedited it because it's a lot easier than giving a reason. Right. So I argue it on March 20th. So like in a month and two days, so I'll be in New York City. So I guess if anyone wants to come kill me, I'll be there. Um <laughs> I love that that's where you went with it. You're such yeah. a crazy. That's all, it's, you know, I think about it like, hey, look, I guess if, you know, I'm if, your guy. If somebody if somebody from uh, every town wants to come after you, then. I'm your guy. Yeah, I'm your yeah. guy. There it is. I'm your guy. You'll be carrying your mug I'm, just so people can I'm see your, it. I'm your huckleberry. I'm your huckleberry is right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, I mean, we'll, we'll put this, people will see that on the video. Like that's your law firm's uh, mug. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I think it. And so here's the other thing. You're doing this work. I want to do that as an example of how you go. Everybody always asks, what can I do? How can I get involved in the fight? And the answer is, is like, find where your niche is. And your niche right now is, is defending the second amendment in a way that people are going to be able to keep their, their legal rights. Even yep. though people have, uh, and you've sent me some of the, the hatred you've gotten online. They're like, Oh, what are you even doing? I get that crap too on social media. They're like, who are you anyway? Like, why don't you stick around and fix the FBI? It's like, Hey, a hole, uh, I'm doing the best I can do with what I've got. And you're doing yep. the best you can do with what you've got. And you yep. still catch hate for it sometimes. Yeah, it, look, you know, people were complaining that I said, um, a couple times in my argument. I mean, it's like the stupidest stuff, you know, and, um, and I, and I got, I got upset. Cause I'm like, I'm the guy from Mississippi, some redneck attorney coming in. I didn't go to the best law school. Like you got in New York mm -hmm. and it takes me to come up there and fix this. Like, right. you know, what are you doing? Right. You need to country boy come up doing. and straighten you out yeah. because you're so yeah. foolish. And what are you doing? Nothing. Where are your high dollar yeah. attorneys? Nowhere. Who else cares about your rights? Me. Well, and I don't even care because yeah. I don't have to, I would never even go to New York on purpose. I, I can't, I can't stand going to New York. Exactly. But it's, it's the right thing to do. I've got friends that live there and you know, it's the law. I don't care if you disagree with it. 
it's the law. Like when the Supreme Court says something, you know, I attended a speech that Justice Scalia gave when he was still alive before they killed him with a pillow. Um, and they and he said that the Supreme Court is not final because they're right. They're right because they're final. There's nothing after the Supreme Court. Right. That's it. So the Supreme Court could get something wrong, but they're still right because they're final. Right. And they have gotten things wrong, like Roe. Yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> like like Dred Scott, yeah, right? Yeah, Dred Scott. You know, like and then, and then had to be Right. Yeah. So, so there are like, plenty of examples over time. And and it's funny how people always go like, it's settled law. It's like, really? Yeah. Um, how yeah. about separate but equal? Are you feeling pretty good about that? Like um, the viability uh, standard is That's making a comeback, good. though. Like the separate but equal stuff is making a comeback I when know. they're having all of these like black only events and... Uh, I don't know, all these different groups except the group. Here's the, here's the funniest part about it to me, okay? Because I always like to re reduce everything to absurdity. And yes. once, okay, because the, the reducto ad, ad absurdity <laughs> argument to me has always been like really powerful. It's like, yeah. okay, so you're mad about white people. You're mad about black people. You're mad about whatever your thing is. You're going to break it down mm -hmm. based on race. And then they're mad yeah. about the different other like intersectional identities you have. Well, when you get down to all it. of our in intersectional identity, you get to the individual, which is what I am. I'm mm -hmm. an individualist, so I'll just treat people yeah. one at a time. By based on what you are, I will basically assume I dislike all people, and then I take them on on as a case by case basis as possible allies, and yeah. that's always really successful. Guess what? Uh, when you're an individualist, you're a conservative. It turns out, right. in the same way that you're over here talking about Marxism. Well, why are the poor valuable? Well, they just are. We're like, no, no, that's not good enough. Why are they? Well, because they're creating the image likeness of God. It turns out mm -hmm. that's the sort of the argument that you have to eventually get to. The only people that believe the poor have value are basically Western Christian society. So welcome, welcome to the conservative movement, everybody who thinks yeah. you're a Marxist. And it, it's very funny. It, like it, it, they cannot hold these two contrasting ideas because they're so conflicting. And you know, once you work. get once you get to the separate graduations, let's get it down. Let's break it down by males and females. Let's break it down by males who are tall and short. I don't want to be around tall people. I'm not that tall. So you get to all the levels. <laughs> well, I only want to be around skinny people also because I don't want to yeah. be like fatness might be contagious. All the other dumb sure. things that you can say until eventually you get to the dumbness where we're we're all having our own graduation, or we all just do it together because it's easier. Yeah, How about it's we easier do to do it together. Yeah, we and should just do that. Right, man. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. Let, just, let, like, let me go somewhere a little different. Um, one of the things you told me that I always thought was really funny is that uh, you, you mentioned being like a redneck attorney, being this you yeah. know guy from the from hillbilly country here in in, uh, in Mississippi, or you know living down in the <laughs> in a not very prestigious area. And so people right. look at you, and, the, and your stock is like the lowest of attorneys who are a very tiered and stratified people. Mm. But then you have kind of like an X factor that nobody really understands. And it has to do with you practicing law in other countries, which most attorneys would not have the nuts to do. Can <laughs> See, you can you jump into that? A lot of people don't even know that. I know, so but I'm going to expose like, it because I think it's fun. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm exposed. So um, I uh, I do some some Middle East stuff, uh, man. Um, and why? How why, how did you end up in the Middle East? Like that's that seems like a story. Man, it's such a it's such a it's such a weird thing. Um, so I was offered a job in Saudi Arabia, like in 2000 and 15 when i was doing all this gun stuff um at a big company that sold products that we like to use a lot of that you can power uh, vehicles yeah yeah and things like that yeah and it was for a, a ridiculous amount of money like how did they find you um so i i randomly applied to it <laughs> I, I just like you know like I mean but when i say that i was like looking for like i'm not even kidding about this when i say that i was choosing whether to pay my mortgage or to fund cases 
Like it's not, yeah, as Biden would say, it's not a joke, man. It's right. But you mean it in a serious way. You don't mean that you're lying. You mean that you literally made that choice. Yes. A lot mm-hmm. of times yeah. I've got the FedEx from Bank of America to prove it where they were trying to foreclose on me because I, I kept saying, I, I, this is one more case. It's like a, an addict, right? It's right. like one more case. Like, I, you know, this person needs something. So I don't, I don't know like why, what made me Don Quixote, but you know, I was like out there tilting at uh, windmills mm-hmm. and I, I still do it because it's, it's the right thing to do. Yes. So anyways, I, I had um, found this company that was hiring um, a lawyer, uh, an American lawyer. They love American lawyers because uh, they're so well-educated. In, in the kingdom. I, in the kingdom. So right in the kingdom. And their so, and their farm animals are safer. I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems accurate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We, I don't we know. could say that it's my <laughs> yeah. show. I don't know what that means, yeah. but it sounds funny to say. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But, but you have a you have an actual connection because you're you have some family heritage that either what your dad is Egyptian, is that right? Yeah, so my dad was born in Egypt. Okay. Uh, and then uh, you know, like my grandmother was born in Egypt, my grandfather was born in Sudan, uh, which is I think is what uh, East Africa. Mm-hmm. So I'm African, half African. Half, my dad was born in North That's referred to as African. Is it I'm I don't know, like I feel like that's racist. Half African? I don't know. Like as someone that's half African, I feel like that is a little racist. To you me. don't. Um, yeah, I don't know a little, a little bit. The uh, African but, sounds like a real thing. That's like my buddy who told me he was Asian, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And he was like, I'm just Asian? half Asian. And I was like, oh, What part of you is Asian? Oof. And he was like, The left side. And it's like, Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Tall guy, short guy. Uh, short guy. Know. Yeah, short guy. Short guy. Yeah. So okay. My height. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. so uh, African or or half African. Um, on the Middle Eastern side, and yeah, then Middle Eastern and, side, and then what's the other side? The other half is something else. Um, Fun, like Swiss and English, and I don't even know, but they're very white, like pretty pretentious. Then, Swiss, yeah, like maybe, English. yeah. So like, uh, you could, you could, they could haunt a house so white, <laughs> mm. right? But yeah, so luckily I didn't get that. It's like I got no. the, like the the Middle Eastern color and the weird uh, beard that doesn't full like fill in all the way at the bottom. There's gaps. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I I, I do work. I'll do a little bit of work in Dubai. Um, I go just there to, just probably go to Dubai. Yeah, two, do some legal two, work. two or three times a year. Um, How many English speaking some... attorneys are are um, are barred to to practice law in Dubai? Do you remember? Um, I don't. It's um, not very many though. It's it's not a whole bunch of of American lawyers. There are some. Um, there are some. I mean, you know, but like the court that I would practice in. Um, I'd rather not say it, but Don't. it's an English speaking court. Yeah. And, yeah. and they have like some kangaroo yeah. court laws that say like, like they're they hardcore, the British. man, they're hard. Do, do you wear a wig? So, no, no. Like, Is that, so a, they that's did. not a thing. Okay. No, it's not a thing. But like they a do barrister. have like UK judges uh, come over. So like uh, one of the trials that I had, it was the craziest thing. Like they keep calling him my Lord and I'm like, well, I only have one Lord and it ain't you. Uh, so yeah. Yes, judge. That's what we call him in America. And were they cool uh, with that? So, yeah, he was fine. Yeah, it was just fine with it. But it was just really weird when all the other attorneys were like, "Yes, my lord." I'm like, "I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not some. Uh, I don't know. I keep thinking of that that really fat guy with the yes, my lady. Yeah, meme. I can't do it. I can't do it. So, <laughs> no, like, that's not that's not how we're yeah. going to do that. Judge, sir. You know. All right. So they were looking enough. at you in Saudi Arabia and then you ended yeah. up in Dubai. Do you have. Yeah. You... So I, t- I turned the job down in Saudi sure. uh, for a number of reasons, but it was so much money. Like, that's what I'm going back to. It's like I needed money 
and like really bad back then. And it was just something that I'm like, I'll just throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. And um, they have an American subsidiary and I was supposed to fly out that next morning at like five, six o'clock in the morning. And I was just sitting there thinking about it. I was talking to my wife about it and we're like, maybe this isn't the right thing for us. I mean, it's a lot of money mm -hmm. and they pay for everything. Mm -hmm. So you get this incredible salary and then you go live on a compound. Did you guys watch give... the firm before that just to kind of get your head right and just see if like... So the, the kingdom? No, the firm. You remember the firm with Tom Cruise? Oh, I, yeah, I, I remember the firm. I watched the kingdom though. Yeah, that's also another thing to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. that was also Yeah, I watched not, that. That was not uh, good. No, no. And so anyways... That was Jamie Foxx, uh, wasn't it? I'm trying to yeah, remember which it one it was. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't seem it, like a place it was you a want. Good movie. Good but, movie. I mean, that was like a true story though. Right, but I'm not sure that that was what you want to put your daughter in. No, but man, you know, you like you start saying like, am I going to get foreclosed on or, or can I go make like big money? Man, it was more than a quarter million a year. I mean, it was insane. And you get like massive tax breaks when you, when you live over there. Right. So yeah, as long as you're 181 days overseas, like that's a different animal. For well, you, I, would, yeah. I would, I would live over there permanently. Right? Yeah. You'd be like an expat. Yeah. 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 So anyways, I turned it down. How, how close to uh, turning it down and the LaRue thing? How close were, were those things? Oh man. Um, LaRue started in 2017. So I managed to, to do it for like another two years oh, so of, of getting random FedExes saying uh, they were going like, to take your house. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, everyone's got, or maybe not everyone, but I had a spreadsheet like where every dollar was going and I would, I knew that I could pay this one a little bit late. Mm -hmm. I had to pay this one. Now I could pay this <laughs> not at all and so i would go down and figure out like what i was paying and it was it was tough i mean we sold like uh, when my daughter was born we went down to one car yep um, i sold my nice tacoma and i bought like an affordable accord that i still have that's got two hundred and eleven thousand miles on it that so it's two yeah. Yeah. And people hate attorneys, I think. And I think you hate attorneys, which is what you told me. Yeah. They're like, so many of them are just like, they're so pretentious. And, you know, it's like, look at me, I make $600 an hour or whatever, $1,000 an hour. And I'm like, you know, I don't care. Like we, when I was in New York and I argued, there were, I think eight or nine of them. There was one of me that was arguing, of course, you know, GOA has got a big legal team, but there was one of me up there and they're like, ha ha ha, this fat rednecks coming in. And, you know, we're going to wipe the floor at them. So like I argued, just as long as they did. And it turns out that, you know, we won on a lot of our stuff. So it turns out like, you also know more about the thing you care about because it's your passion. Isn't, isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like vested. I'm vested in this. I'm invested because, in my people and the, in the cause. And yeah. And you're and a gun not. owner. And that's why you have such a good following. I think on the, the social media platform, which is not every social, like you're pretty small on Twitter, which is funny. Yeah. Um, I'm tiny on Twitter. Um, but, yeah. but, but like in your world, you're kind of a giant. And so for people that don't know that I wanted to introduce them to that. And like, look, there's a lot of, small enclaves of patriotic Americans that are fighting the way that they can fight and the way that they do. And you're one of them. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and, and you're not pretentious about it, although you have a very uh, like dry sense of humor about it. I think that's how you deal yeah. with like, when you know that you're on the chopping block about stuff, like there's no other way to look at it because you've, you've gone, you've, you've looked over the edge and it doesn't look good on the other end of it. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think we're getting out of this. I mean, you know, okay. like what, what's happening right now, um, like it's just so, it's so bad and it's getting worse. Um, like everything's accelerating off the cliff, like our country, like this is what I really feel. Yeah. No, talk um, about that more. I, I think a lot yeah, of people probably just, feel the same way. Yeah. I, I don't, I like, you know, I, I'm 44. Okay. So like, I didn't grow up in, uh, 
civil rights era. I was born in 1978 down in, in Houston, Texas. Um, I've never seen a period in time where America seems or feels or is more divided than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have the masks and the maskless. You have the vaxxed and the non-vaxxed. You have the blacks and the whites and the Asians. And it's like everyone's um, getting away from each other. And you said, you know, like, let's have a graduation altogether because it's easier. And it just seemed like, I don't know. I just, it didn't feel like that long ago when everyone just seemed to, you know, live their life and kind of get along. And now we're not anymore. And I don't know if it's the media is doing it or if our government's doing it, uh, but whoever is doing it is doing a fantastic job at it. Yeah. Cleaving people into these really like tight tribes. What's funny is, right. is I think the Twitter file shows us that the media and and our our government are sort of one and the same when it comes to their end. So it's it's not a, it's not an either or. It's an and in this yeah. case, yeah. which is sad. It's, it's it's not it's not good. Like countries, uh, you know, like what was it Abraham Lincoln? Uh, a house, house divided, divided by can... itself cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you know, we can study our history and find out what happens when we do this. It's right? really ugly. But it's really bad brother fights against brother when they're leading us to like that same place. And I don't know, America's very well armed. Yeah. It would be ugly really fast. And it, and I don't think it would go the way that the powers that be think it would go. That's something I've talked to people a lot about. It's like you, and, and I think it's interesting in your place, like people in private, in private collections own machine guns and like long range anti-aircraft guns. And they own all kinds of wild stuff that exist that are, interesting only to like documentary crews until there's an actual need for it in private use they own and they're anti- good with them they're good with them because they have the money to yep. fund them because that's their passion mm-hmm. and and all they want to do is be left alone and shoot like watermelons at 2000 yards yep. in montana yep. and then then maybe they have to not do that and oh, i have a buddy who's in montana who you would love and is a complete psycho um in mm-hmm. a lovable way like i, I mean that in like right. Loving, right? <laughs> like like a lovable psycho part like he's my psycho and he was like it's part of my dream uh to take out government armor <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> with, with like one of my rifles <laughs> and i just go like there's a lot of dudes out there that feel that way they just don't want to be bugged and if you're going to bug them and bring government armor down the road then they're good they've been waiting for that day assuming that it would never come like in a silly way they've been talking right. about it over bourbon and now yeah. you're going to put them to a decision for their chips and i don't think you're going to like their decision Jeez, so how many how many files are going to be open on me now for this for this conversation yeah. that I'm just, all like, of our conversations in the past have already been there and i would assume this is oh, privileged yeah. isn't it this is privileged yeah like especially <laughs> when you publish it yeah there's a case on that i'm sure somewhere that's right yeah that, there should be what happens when you interview your should attorney be. on your own show and then can yeah. you, here's the thing. We know the FBI security division watches this. I don't care. The fact is, is that the FBI is, is part and parcel of the, t- of the group that is pushing this inevitable march. It feels like forward. And at any moment they could hit the brakes because the brakes are only on one, on one car. The yeah, other car is just know, standing still waiting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should disclose this on your, on your show, but you know, that domestic violence extremist thing that uh, caught Mike Glover up in it. So like they talk about the, um, the Milan LeVay, uh, insignia right to come and take it yes that's a that's a signal right that someone could be a militia violent extremist and you may or may not have that probably tattooed i've got it tattooed on my back so one of the things that i've talked about and and since i've disclosed that document and it's one of the things that i've been very um forthright about i think it bothers me the most is that not just all the military veterans i know have it on their t-shirt have it hanging up in their gym or like have it on their body in a tattoo 
but so do most SWAT teams and so do most law enforcement professionals like on their on their emblems and on their patches and and on their mm-hmm. hats that they wear like the so-called warrior culture is prevalent in people who are willing to face down danger and then do it on behalf of people that are not willing to do that yeah. i've had people tell me like oh i'm so glad i don't live in your world like you're out there with drug dealers and bad guys and it's like uh you're in my world i'm just making right. i'm making th- that part of the world stay away from you that's my job like it's a oh, world wow. it's the same world guy yeah, same world. um we're all in that and so anybody yeah. who wants to be so uh short-sighted as to think that that's not something that's happening it is it's out there it's real so you can put your head in the sand all you want and it doesn't make a damn difference because it's out there and if it comes for you it comes for you and if you're not armed you're going to experience what unarmed people experience and if you're armed yeah. you might have a better outcome like the guy in houston the other night Right. Well, I'll tell you, I have a, um, what did they say about Mike? A low history of violence. Uh, yeah. A low history of violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have a low history. I have, of violence. A, I have a low history of violence. Yeah. Which means zero <laughs> in Mike Clever's yeah, case. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But zero I mean, to however many equals low, there's a range and you're on the, there's the, a range. You're at the bottom of the low spectrum, but you could be That's in the middle. Right. It's the same to the yeah. government. Well, they didn't disclose a range. Right. I don't know what a medium history of violence What if there was an asterisk? That, nobody would have been mad if there was an asterisk and it said this could include zero or up to like three instances of violence. And you'd be like, oh, well, was it zero? That would be the yeah. next question you'd ask. And then people would be like, oh, well, who cares? But no, you say low history of violence. It implies that there's a history of violence. It does. Which yeah. is why you and I were pissed when that thing came out. Yeah, because it, it, it makes me mad. You know, it's like, you know, these these symbols, they're, they're symbols. And, you know, come and take it. It's a, a, a famous phrase right you know mm-hmm. like um the the spartans right you know they had the movie the 300 uh i mean it's a it's a good it's a good phrase like lay down your weapons so it's like come and get them yeah the leonidas attitude about it is like not only um i say no but i'm gonna kick your emissary into the freaking pit here right. in the cistern and then come Man, and take I it that, i hope i hope that really happened kicking him down into the yeah pit. i don't think it did i think that was a wonderful yeah, yeah if the hole wouldn't have been great. that deep anyway that hole would have been like like six feet yeah, deep and then he, some and poor then guy had poisoned your water Right, with this like filthy emissary yeah, from the Persians. Yeah. Gross. Um Gross. and and so can I can we tell the story about how funny it was when we were sitting in the monocle grill together and, and the guy came up and didn't want to give us the time of day because we were just two like cheap guys buying a burger and then and then you dropped the then you dropped the vernacular on him and he decided that he was our buddy. Oh, the um the Greek guy. The Greek guy. Yeah, because so, you're a citizen so of the world, and like un, unlike yeah. many people from Mississippi, you have yeah. like like these diamond in the rough Aladdin skills that nobody would know. <laughs> and one of them is that you just happen to speak some Greek or like a fair amount of yeah. Greek. Yeah, so so I I I speak random parts of random languages, right? Uh, and and I travel a lot, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, so like that guy, uh, I didn't know he was Greek until I until I asked him. Um, what I, God, I can't even remember the question that I asked him, but then I asked him in Greek if he, if he spoke Greek. And man, it's like his demeanor just changed immediately. And, yeah, we were now uh, like guests of the chef. Like we were like, yeah, we were, like, like perfect. We were like in like Flynn, right? We were, Everything was yeah. fine. Or as my New York buddies would say, in there like swimwear. Okay, right. Which is a, a Long Island thing to say. But yeah, the guy wanted, he was yeah. like, he's like, oh, you want a beer? Like, let me bring you out a flight of tasters yeah. or whatever. And I was like, that's Ooh. right. Here you, here's everything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just, like, I, I like to think that I'm well-traveled, you know, I'm not the typical person, but I, I like to give off the, the persona and I'm not a pretentious person. Like I'm in, uh, you know, a t-shirt and a jacket cause it's cold here, but you know, jeans, t-shirt, if I could go to court like this, I would do it every day. Right. Which is yeah, another reason we get along. Suits are not comfortable. 
They're a costume. But the, you know what? There is something about putting They're on the costume. costume that lets you know, hey, it's time to do the thing that you do in the costume, which is talk a certain way. I actually noticed the other day in my podcast, I wore a blazer yeah, and I spoke slower. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that in general. My uh, my right. critiques that people um, and the only people that really give it to me is my mother, which is also funny that at 41, mm-hmm. I have to hear my mom tell me that I talk too fast. It's like, well, it's maybe if you let me speak more when I was a kid. I wouldn't be doing that, but I got to slide that stuff in there. That's <laughs> I gotta, right. I got to get That's all the right. words in, man. But uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, um, there is there is a place for putting on a suit. I think there's a place if you're being interviewed and it shows a seriousness and it shows mm. you know the seriousness of the of the environment. I don't think there's a place for a wig in court. No, never. but but I do think that actually, if you decided that you wanted to go back and make a 1776 argument, putting on a barrister wig would be would be really really interesting theater that you and yeah. all the GOA guys could do, maybe. <laughs> I should do that. It I would be that. so good. I, I don't, With like I don't one have those a fluffy, wig. Like, like a fluffy, like a, like a, mm. a puffy pirate shirt or something. Yeah. I, I needed one of those little powder things for the wigs. Like I, right. But that would make a, yeah. that would be an incredible, bizarre statement. It would make for like some good fundraising videos. Just, yeah. I'm just saying, it's like, our, I'll, I'll pass it along. Yeah. Our pass lawyers it. are bringing it back to 1776. <laughs> They're bringing it back to 1789 when the Bill of Rights was yeah. ratified, and we are gonna mm, we're we're gonna wear yeah. wigs too. Yeah. Yikes! I don't think you should do that. No, I probably that, shouldn't. But file it would that be under funny. file that under interesting ideas that we won't do. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of things that I, I like talk about. You know, it's kind of like brainstorming funny things, and like, sometimes like things that I talk to you about, like just funny things that make me laugh. You know, like. Why do this if you can't laugh, right? right. Uh, we'll make it into briefs. Uh, like in in one of the briefs, I quoted Shakespeare uh, because I thought it was funny. Number one, like, hey, I'm from Mississippi. I actually pretty well read too. Right. Uh, but you know, the the chief was saying, oh, you know, uh, this law is, is constitutional, and we we got to protect this law so we can basically arrest people for carrying guns where they've always been allowed to carry them. Right. And I was like, wow. Um, you know, Chief Cecile doth protest too much, methinks. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny things like that, or at least funny to me. I don't care if they're funny to him. Right. It's funny to me. Okay, well, you'll like this then. My buddy, who's a FBI agent, worked out in California and is a, a regular American who likes, you know, freedom. And so he was behind enemy lines for a little while. And there was a lot of chatter in his office about um, assault weapons and the dangers that they pose by their very existence. And so he decided, uh, because of a conversation that he and I had together, that he was going to use the word bazooka in place of every time that that was talking about the reference to a firearm. Mm. Because what is a bazooka? Uh, and they don't know. Because what is an assault weapon? Because they don't know. Right. So he started t- typing in his like FD302s, like his testimonial documents. And then the subject mentioned that he had purchased a bazooka from fill in the blank source and uh, that he paid like $674 for said bazooka. And That's this and price. this. It just said bazooka. And then when we, you know, conducted the search warrant, uh, we were able to find, in fact, three bazookas underneath the subjects, you know, underneath the bed. So we did this for like a period of a couple of weeks where every time he was supposed to say gun, he wrote bazooka and it got approved. Like it just all got approved because nobody called it out because they were like, well, I mean, what is a bazooka really? It's just scary, scary stuff. And like we're yeah. into scary gun stuff. So that's yeah. that, that's your basic federal infringement. It is quite silly. But uh there's a there's a handful of files out there in the FBI's little in their little uh, archives that are referencing bazookas in the, in California. There was a big uptick for a couple of weeks wow. of bazooka seizings. Wow! Which, which if, you just you do it because it's funny. Bazookas were illegal. Yeah, well, if only bazookas were illegal in California, they would have zero mentions of bazookas. Right. Now that's the other yeah. part of it. Right. That's yeah. the other issue. It's crazy. He stuff. actually told me he uh, he he 
arrested a guy who had an AK-47 on top of his meth. He was covering up the meth that he was transporting with an AK on the front seat of his car. Okay. And when the, and they seized it, and he got 30 days in county. And I was, never thought that Hunter got arrested for anything. He was a felon already, too. Yeah, Hunter uh, was on the other side. He was actually not getting arrested. Oh, not okay. This so was a was, different. Was, this was a different guy who did. Yeah, the, the I, I thing. get confused sometimes. But right. like, I, I've never, I've never transported meth, but I probably wouldn't do it on my front seat. I pro- I mean, maybe I'd have an AK on it. I don't know. No, it'd be an AR. You'd be an AR guy because the yeah. AK is kind of an enemy's gun. All right, probably, probably not a brace though, because that would be illegal. Okay, let's do the brace thing because you brought it yeah. up and I was forgetting yeah, about that. Sorry. Let's do that, and I know we'll. No, I think it's. I think it's worth people's notice. You had some kind of really kind of. Um, a semi-viral like uh, video that went on after at being at uh, Shot Show. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I want to know what the weirdest weapon system that you either own or love is because I'm a gun guy. And then we'll wrap this sucker up. So let's do the brace thing. So tell people what the mm. the what was uh, arbitrarily decided by our overlords, and then what it means for us. Yeah. So the ATF, who never changes its mind, uh, ten years or so ago, said you could take a brace, which is something that was developed to help disabled people shoot heavier pistols, mm-hmm. like an AR pistol, and you would basically attach um, like a little brace. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a, a short piece of plastic that almost looks like a hand coming down out of the back of the of the rifle, um, attached to the buffer tube, right? right. So it'd be like like yeah, but that's a different style, like. Right. So you would have one that would attach over your forearm and it would help you hold it with one hand and shoot it. Uh, they made others that looked like just a blade, right? Mm-hmm. A blade. A stabilizing brace. Would, yeah. Blade. Yeah. A stabilizing brace um, that would help you uh, position it against your arm and use some kind of leverage to help you hold it better and shoot it better. ATF said, hey, that's perfectly fine. It's not a short barrel rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have to explain real quick what a short barrel rifle is. Go for it. A short barrel rifle. Um, is basically a rifle with a barrel length less than um, 16 inches. So a standard AR, you're going to have like a 16 inch barrel and then a stock and the stock can move and it allows you to shoulder the rifle and you've got one behind you, evil terrorist that you are. Uh, You're right. So uh, the brace would replace the stock on the back end of it is usually not movable. And then you could put like an eight inch barrel on your AR-15 pistol and you would have the brace on the back, and basically, it's just a, a big braced pistol. ATF and the goal is, is that it, it was designed for one purpose. Now, if you chose to use it a different way, it has nothing to do with the design of it, because design is what d- determines what something is. Right, right. Designed and intended. Yeah. Um, and so the, the manufacturer of these braces were like, well, we built them for you know disabled people, disabled veterans, actually, to be able to shoot these braced pistol, uh, heavy pistols better more accurately more safely mm-hmm. the atf said that was fine and then they keep going back and forth like over the years it's like well you can't shoulder it because some people were like hey these might you could work them as a shoulder and they don't really work well shouldering them because they're so short and not all of them move they uh, they're fixed right mm-hmm. so you would try to shoulder it and it'd be like i can't shoot this accurately it'd be a um, suboptimal stock replacement not good nobody right, would choose good. it over a stock 100 percent no but if you wanted one with a stock, you had to pay the $200 tax stamp. You would either do the form one, which we talked about, which is making your NFA, because at that point, it's going to become NFA if you have a stock with a barrel that's So then you're the manufacturer when you change the stock. Correct. And you're going to form one it, but mm-hmm. you're going to form one it before you make it because you can't be in possession of something that's not registered to you. Right. 
that's the that's the critical part of this. So what the ATF has done is they've come out and said, well, we were wrong. Uh, so all of these braced pistols are really short barreled rifles, right? And you have to register it, mm-hmm. um, and you've got 120 days from was it February 1st to register these um, new short barrel rifles. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that is you're already in possession of something that you didn't have the authority to make because you don't have a tax stamp yet. So you've got a short barrel rifle because the ATF just said you did. And And, now now you're admitting that you, that you did by trying to register it. Right. With photographs, fingerprints, and you know they say you don't have to pay the, the and photographs tax not of you only but also of the actual weapon yeah of the firearm right mm-hmm. of course at your home address uh, they don't ask you for how many dogs you have but that could be on the next form uh, but you know like the ATF likes sure. to shoot dogs yeah I mean uh, it's terrible so what what I've did like when we when I was flying out to shot you know I I, I was um, at a shot on GOA on gun owner of America's behalf and I read all the rule it was like 290 ish 295 ish pages whatever it was and I was like really digesting what the rule meant um, I've taken a lot of Nick's appeals when people were get that yep Stevens actually read the 290 plus pages of this. Almost none of you also have. So when and when Stephen tells his opinion on things, and then other people say, "Well, I read the headline or I saw the one sheet," you don't know what he's talking about. So I just want to say up there up front, people in this world like to give their opinions without having any of the background. You do the work when it comes to this stuff. I think it's really important that somebody does. I don't want to do it. I'm glad you're doing it, but I trust you, and I know that you did it because you care about this stuff. So yet another yeah. reasons why you're in the arena doing this. Um, it's really important to note you're doing that work on behalf, like you read it on the plane. I, I think you said, yeah, I did. I read it on the plane flying into shot. So I could talk to people like the people would come up to GOA's booth and talk to them. So anyways, so I do a lot of Nick's appeals for people that were erroneously denied firearms. Um, like when you go to buy a firearm, you fill out your 4473, uh, that you would do at any FFL. Mm-hmm. And then the FBI runs a Nick's background check on you. So with a regular firearm, it'll come back delayed, um, denied, or a proceed. If it's a proceed, great, walk out with your gun. If it's a delay, you've got um, the Brady three-day tra- business day transfer. So uh, Kyle, you're delayed. Hey, you know, come back in three business days. And if you don't have a proceed, we'll give it to you. Well, a lot of people don't know that the, the FBI is required after 90 days, if if you're still delayed, they have to purge that information. It's a, it's a, a law. They have to purge it. So they can't in like after 90 days, come back and say, well, Kyle was perceived, you know, he's good to go or Kyle was denied, go get the gun back. So if it's a delay, what they call an open status, um, then it's just after 88 days, which they've chosen for themselves, it's, it's gone. So I started noticing in 2018, a whole bunch of NFA transactions that were being denied or disapproved in NFA parlance for having an, a, an open background check for 88 days. Okay. So I'm like, well, that's weird. So as I'm reading through this rule, I'm like, well, they don't mention anything about what happens if you are not denied for a bad background check, like if you're a prohibited person, but you're denied because your background check was open. So um, I was talking to one of the guys out there, this random guy that came up to me and I'm like, yeah, he was a YouTuber. I'm like, well, let's go talk to the ATF. The booth is right there. Plus I had a, a good patch that I wanted to give him. It says, save a pup, abolish the ATF. Right. Um, <clears throat> which I did give it to him. It's almost but as good as and- the Oathbreakers uh, stickers that we came up with <laughs> that have the picture of the uh, so FRT uh, t- triggers and yeah. that look like dogs. Yeah. Okay. The three, the three 
three wolf t-shirt thing. That's right. Yeah. So I went over there and talked to the ATF and I was like, okay, I just need someone to answer a question for me. And so this, this, um, older gentleman comes out and he's like, okay. And I said, do you know anything about NFA transfers? And he's like, some, and this is like a division chief at the ATF booth at shot. So he knows some about it. So I talked to him and he's like, well, if, if, uh, if you register it within 120 days, you're deemed in compliance. And I said, oh, you don't understand my question. Is there someone here that understands NFA transfers um, and things like that? And he goes, oh, let me get someone for you. So he gets this lady to come out and I start talking to her. I'm like, well, what happens after 88 days and they get uh, like a, like their background remains open? She goes, well, it's a like a, I can't remember exact words, like an open denial. And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, what is the ATF going to do at that point? Because they've just told you they've got an SBR, right? She's like, well, we'll take an enforcement action. I said, I knew that's what you would say, but it's not in the rule. It's nowhere in the rule, like nowhere. Um, so anyways, I went back to GOA's booth and kind of was like sharing the story with them. And uh, Jared from Guns and Gadgets was there. And I was talking to him about it. He's like, what happened? Are you kidding me? Let's do a, let's do a video. So I did a video with him. So you did a stand-up video there. And the, yeah. and the, and the, ascend, the essence of it is that the the brace rule is a bear trap. Right. Because it's it's mandating that you register something. Mm-hmm. Nix is a mess. Okay. Right. The the system that they use to provide these uh instant background checks is a mess. There's tons of erroneous denials. There's tons of open uh open background statuses that will never get resolved. And there's really not a lot you can do. Uh, like Kyle Serafin can't go clear his own background check. You got to hire someone to do it. It's really difficult. Um, the ATF tries to downplay it like, oh, it's super easy. Uh, you could just you know, get a U-pen. It's like, if there's no, if, if there's an open disposition in your FBI background, you're going to have to run down those documents yourself. You might not, the, the court might not have documents. So what are you going to do? And I, I've, had, I've had tons of cases like those where a guy had a 1978 misdemeanor for riding on a bathroom wall in Yosemite National Park and there were no documents. Yeah, I know. Malicious mischief. Yeah. FBI said he was potentially prohibited. They're not going to clear him out because there was like potentially no f- final disposition on a case from 1978 with Yosemite National Park had no record that this was actually a thing. Yeah, because the AUSA declined it 100%. Well, I mean, there's just no record. Of I know, but that's so, what happened. It was like an email yeah, denial, so, but there was no emails then. So someone just was like, no, denied. And then nobody wrote up like this was denied or declined. Well, that's like, what should have happened. It's, it's crazy stuff. So we had to like fix it with mm-hmm. affidavits. Uh, and they also said that a 1975 arrest where him and his best friend got into a fist fight, like males, right? Uh, could be potential misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. So I had him and his wife, Jeez. this guy and his wife in 2020. One, yeah, file affidavit saying that he did not date that man, that they were not in a relationship, that they had no children together. I was I was tracking the the misdemeanor crime of domestic violence statute. You know, like it's it's like it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so jump back into NFA world. If you have an open status, you're not going to get approved. Right. And I, I'm not saying that as soon as ATF gets your paperwork, they have 88 days. And then you're automatically denied. It's when ATF submits your background check to the to the FBI. If the FBI doesn't complete that background check in 88 days, it's an automatic denial if your background remains open. And man, I caught a lot of flack for it. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm like, well, here's the letter that I got from one of my NFA cases. And they're like, but that's an old, that's an old letter. I'm like, here's one I got yesterday. 
<laughs> you know, like I, I, I've got more of these. I've got lots more of them. Right. And this is something that's happening. And you might say, well, it only happens to 2%. Well, the ATF has said there's anywhere from 3 million to 40 million braced pistols. So that's an awful a, lot of people. It's not like a small percentage of a large number is itself a pretty large number, right? That's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like crazy stuff, you know? If it goes sideways, I hope it goes sideways with a couple of test cases of friends that I have who are also federal agents, because I think that will make a really, really fun uh, case. And they've been willing to be test cases if this were to go sideways. So, um, and, and they've I, offered, I hope it doesn't, you know, I, I hope, hope it doesn't because, yeah. I, I hope, get, I I hope so it just gets struck dude. down. Uh, are you doing work to get that struck down? Is that a thing that we can reverse yeah. this rule? I, am, I imagine so. So tell them that and then, let's yeah. get, and then we'll so, end on something fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Gun Owners of America filed a lawsuit in Southern District of Texas a couple of days ago with actually the state of Texas joining that lawsuit. Um, oh, good. over. So yeah. Paxton is un- involved as well then? Yes, sir. That's yes, good. sir. So, I mean, there's some there's some heavy hitters coming to the table. Um, I want to say 20, 24, 25 states joined a case up in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some, been some other smattering of cases in Northern District and Eastern District of Texas as well. So, I mean, people are filing cases against this because it's it's like every time the ATF does something, you're like, well, this is as bad as it gets. It can't get any worse than this, you know? And then it's like, oh, wow, it can't get worse. Like, look what they're doing now. And, you know, they're turning 3 million to 40 million people into felons overnight because right. now you have something that's unregistered to you and you have to submit something to register with the government. Well, Claiming that you're already a felon because you're registering something that you're yeah, acknowledging like, as a felony. Yeah, it makes makes people like kind of sit up and ask some questions, right? And and honestly, thank God that uh, they're asking questions. But moreover, thank God that you're out there um, pushing this envelope because this is really, this is the way that this stays out of a kinetic conflict. Is that the courts do their job, they step up and defend the Constitution and their oath, and uh, and you're one of the guys that's on the front line doing it. So I will I will fluff you just a bit there on that. And I'm, <laughs> I I really am really grateful for the person that you are and the things that you're willing to do. That you're the guy that's going to sit down and read 298 pages or 292 pages because there's a problem. And you're going to look for it. So I think that's wonderful stuff. What's the weirdest uh, firearm that you love shooting or owning? Take your pick. Player's Man, choice. I am. I am like. Are you vanilla? I've, I'm so vanilla. It's painful. Uh, my favorite gun to shoot is a Savage 110 6 It's my deer rifle. Okay. I just love it. I mean, there's nothing special about it. It's got a synthetic stock on it. Um, it's just it is a scope that came with the gun. Like I literally went to a store and bought a package um, for like 400 bucks or something. And yes. And man, like I've, I've shot deer with it. I didn't even zero it in. Like I literally just took it out to go deer hunting one day. And I mean, it was just perfect. Like a hundred yards, like exactly where I wanted it to go drop. It will, sh- it will shoot anything I put through it. You know, like uh, I've got some Greek 30 odd six uh, surplus perfectly shoots. I mean, like there's, it just shoots everything. It's like a, it's like a Glock. It'll just eat anything you put in it. Um, and the rest of my stuff is just plain vanilla, you know. What's the what's the most exotic, weird thing that you've shot, whether you liked it or not? <sighs> Man, I shot a 50 cal for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and they're just not fun to shoot at all. Um, Was, is this the uh, picture you sent me that you were shooting off a card table, like in the middle of the woods somewhere? Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. in the world card are you ta- doing? <laughs> card table in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Why are you doing uh, that? At, at, another, at another guy's house uh, that... Uh, uh, me and another friend were at and 
it's like, let's, let's go set up and, and go shoot. I'm like, eh, you know, there was a range and we just tried to get back far enough. Right. To, yeah. To make to it worth shoot. your time to shoot that thing. Yeah. Like at a hundred yards, right. There's you know, like hundred yards is not far enough to shoot a 50 cal. Right. Yeah. That's silly. But we tried to get back as far as we could. And so we set up a little card table, but you know, it's not fun. Um, it just, it, it just kicks so much, man. And it's so loud. And like the concussion of it is just, I mean, all those things. Not, yeah. It's just not fun. It's not know? recreational. Rather, it's experiential only. Right. Yeah. And it is a good thing. It is an experience, you know, cause that thing will punch uh, a nice hole right through like AR, what, four or 500, whatever it is, AR 500 steel. Like it's nothing. Like it's not there. You know? Like, like it's not even there. Yeah. Right. Like a 22 going through a, like a cardboard box. Um, yeah. Where can people follow you if they want to keep up with some of the lawsuits you're involved in, some of the published stuff that you, I know you're um, not always publicizing everything, but you do kind of drop some, uh, some bread trails online. So what do those look like? Where yeah. Can they so go? I'm uh, stambo 2 a S T A M B O 2 a on Twitter. Uh, I would say they could look for me on ARFCOM, but I don't really post there a lot. I more read. Um, and then I don't even do anything with my website anymore because like I have so little free time now. Uh, the last thing I want to do is, um, you know, put stuff on my website. And honestly, I don't need any more work. I mean, the amount of people that call me every day that just hear from me uh, by word of mouth is, is crazy to me. Like, I'm just like a regular dude and I have like other attorneys, um, other like big organizations that you would have heard about calling me and saying, Hey, you know, we've got this issue. Can you help us? And I'm like, mm-hmm. Let me take a look. Sure. Like, uh, what time is it? Fuck. Let me take a look. <laughs> That's yeah. one F bomb. Like, if I, 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 I know. It. it was, it was, it was quiet. Though. It was quiet. Yeah. yeah. But I called attention yeah. to it. So that's okay. I understand yeah. that instinct though. That is the instinct of somebody who knows what the right thing to do is and you don't want to turn people down. And that's, yeah, I think tough. it's, it is hard. And I appreciate that mm. you have that heart and that you have that, uh, that drive. Not very many people in this world have it, but, uh, folks, you've been introduced to a couple of them on this show and Steven is yet another one. Um, thanks for what you do, buddy. And I'm going to have uh, Phil read us out. If you want to pull up one of our reviews, folks, if you like what you're hearing, you like these long form interviews, they drop every Monday. That's our goal. So, um, you know, Tune in for that. Download it for your long drive of the day or that airplane ride that you're going to have to sit next to some anti-gun hater or someone who despises freedom who's flying back to Chicago. Put that in your ear and just know that there's heroes out there that are fighting that you don't necessarily understand or know. You would have never come across if you didn't hear about them here. And uh, and they're not looking for your attention. They just happen to be friends of mine or people that I've run across I want you to know about. Um, Phil, I'll let you take it away with one of our fantastic listeners, if you don't mind. Yep. First, I've got the gifts and go cute of Kyle. Mm. We had a nice donation from an anonymous donor who wrote, Kyle, you are doing your country a service by exposing the rot and the FBI and thereby trying to improve it. Thank you especially for exposing the outrageous and dangerous Richmond office memo targeting Catholics. When the FBI begins to attack political enemies, it has become a threat to America rather than a protector of it. Also a nice five-star review from a listener, B. Zhao W., Hero, your podcast is a light in the darkness. I appreciate your courage in exposing the corruption. God bless you. And then I guess the final thing we could plug is our buddy Steve Friend's book, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower True Blue. Hit the link in the description box and get yours ordered. Mine's coming, I think, in uh, June or July, Kyle. Yeah, it should be coming out there. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug one more book, too, just because I, I told him I would. 
and it's a good book. Uh, I read this on a on an airplane ride. This is my dad's book. This is called One Stupid Mistake. It's called Smart Decision Making in a Crazy World. Um, Stephen, I'll get you a copy sent over to you. You'll find this on some minute when you want to just do some recreational reading. Yeah. It. Um, it's a, it's a man with 72 years of experience and somebody who talked to David Koresh personally. Wow. And some of the weird adventures that he had in Radio Land led him to some some decision makings about listening to the quiet voice inside. Many of us call it the conscience. I know you do it all the time and make good decisions when other people don't. So interesting little thing. But uh, so many of our, our troubles come from that one stupid mistake, like not reading a bill and then passing it into the Mississippi <laughs> legislature. There's a lot of one stupid mistakes out there. And if we're honest about our evaluation of our lives, there's so many of that. So... Um, feel free to check out that. It's on Amazon. The link will be in the description to folks if you want to read Charlie Serafin, my dad, and uh, one of my heroes in many ways. Um, check out his book as well. I do want to thank you all for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. I appreciate you sharing it with your friends. We are growing every single time. I won't say we're the fastest growing new podcast in America, but I had to send out a, a potential for sponsorship the other day. And we found out that like every 14 days, we're growing by like 100 to 175%, depending on the 14 days. One of those days, we grew by 863%. I don't know what the heck that was. That wasn't even our first week. It's really bizarre. But we do appreciate that you're listening, that you're sharing that you're giving us feedback. So put a comment down there below. Um, talk about things. I will respond. If you send it to Steven, I'll send it over to him on a, on a text message so he can hear it too if he's not watching. And uh, once again, check us again on Wednesday when we'll have a little bit of analysis midweek on what's going on. Thank you so much for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.